Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Built Revolution podcast. This is Kelsey Henderson, president of Continuum Advisory Group. And today I have Brian Stamper with Advantic here with me. I'll let Brian go ahead and introduce himself quickly, and then we'll jump into our topic for today. Awesome. Thanks, Kelsey. Yeah, Brian Stamper, Managing Partner and Chief Revenue Officer for Advantic Building Group. We are an alternative to steel company. We build things out of structural composites versus steel products with the idea of improving productivity, reducing cost, along with improving the sustainability of the overall project. Awesome. So, Brian, the reason I asked you to come on the podcast today is because Uh, There's been just a lot of energy and conversation around both ESG, that's environmental, social, and governance, and then sustainability in our industry lately. And I know that you do a lot of work in the data center space, and there's been, you know, a big push for sustainability there as well. So I wanted to get your take on, you know, how things are looking in that space, what owners are doing around sustainability, what their, their kind of challenges and initiatives are, and then a little bit about how that's impacted your business with Advantic. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we stumbled into the data center space right around five years ago, and we got into the space by accident. You know, it was a uh, space that we, how I've known you for many years, we worked in the industrial space before that. And, you know, composites as a whole have not really been in any other space outside of industrial or highly corrosive markets. And so we had a LinkedIn post, it was picked up and we started really running in that area. Uh, when we got into data centers, what we, what we got into it was with the drive for reducing costs and improving schedules. And that is still a big push for Advantic, you know, to make sure that we're cost competitive along with improving the overall durations of the projects. But in the last two years, we've seen a major push as a whole around ESG and then reducing the overall embodied carbon on projects. And as you know, steel and concrete make up about 70% of the overall embodied carbon. That question, we started getting that question a lot. How does FRP or composites stack up in the global warming embodied carbon conversation? And it was actually something we didn't have a lot of data on. It was one of those things that the composite space really didn't put a lot of, you know, they were really focused on corrosion, things of that nature. So we started to dig a little deeper. And what we found out was FRP was able to reduce the overall embodied carbon upwards of 50 to 60%, depending on what you're building. We started talking to our clients and realizing how big of a differentiator that was. And then fast forward to the last year uh, where that conversation is at every single data center conference we go to, they are looking at ways to improve their projects as a whole. And what we've seen to be very interesting, you know, everybody in the data center space initially was focusing on reducing their power consumption, reducing their overall water usage, 
and here as of recently they started broadening that scope and looking at things like scope three admissions and how they are erecting their projects how are they going to uh, reduce their overall embodied carbon if you look at the announcements from microsoft and meta and aws and google the big drivers in the space they've all said that they're going to go to a net zero and even microsoft saying a net negative and what we've seen from that is the rest of the industry as a whole following suit i kind of look at it very similarly to safety as that hey the owners are saying hey this is something we truly care about and that we need to do something about it so it's it's a really exciting time from the perspective of people are really starting to put forth some true effort to to really build more sustainable as a whole yeah, I've seen some of the like the cool stuff that Microsoft was doing with like, I think they built a data center like under the ocean, right? Yeah. Um, and some of the other things that they've done. And I heard you say, you know, net zero, certain targets. Do you have any specific stats that you can share from owners that you guys work with as far as specific targets or, or timelines or anything around that? So what's interesting is the net zero has been um, something that the majority of our clients are trying to achieve. We've seen some lofty goals. We've seen some more achievable goals. A few of them, I won't say names, you know, have said that, hey, we'll be at net zero by 2025. And what we were starting to see, though, is the steps to get there, taking the steps to, to actually move that needle. And they've all done an amazing job of continuing to push on the power consumption side and the push on the total reduction of water usage. But to actually get to a place where they're not paying for green credits and things of that nature, they're starting to really push to bring in other products into the space to, um, to reduce their overall embodied carbon. Yeah. 3.5 is like next week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So those goals are extremely lofty. Uh, Microsoft, you know, they worked on the EC3 calculator to start uh, looking at what materials they're using. Uh, and we're starting to see that actually with other clients as well. Uh, they've been very forward in that push. But that question as a whole uh, is one that we, we are just now getting to a place at our company is understanding our total embodied carbon. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the composites, were, we, they were very far behind on understanding that. So that's one of the things that I've been working a lot with Owens Corning on in the past uh, year is to truly understand how do we stack up um, against the rest of the industry. And then not just looking at embodied carbon, you have to look at other things as, as well as the scope three and, and really looking at, you know, whenever you're putting in new materials and obviously very uh, you know, I'll be speaking a lot about composites because that's what what I'm so knee deep in. But you know, they're 80% lighter, so you're now you're reducing your overall uh, shipping by 60 to 70%. And then you're you're not utilizing. Um, looking at how is the stuff being erected? Are you are you able to remove cranes from site? Are you able to eliminate welding? Things of that nature. And then also, you know, moving down the line a little bit further and uh, looking at it from an ESG perspective on the social side is having products that are safer to install, mm. improving that safety, looking at ways to bring more people into the industry. Uh, you know, we have a massive 
shortage of skilled labor. So what are the products that we can be utilizing that we can recruit more people into this space that they're going to feel safe when they get there, that they're working with materials that are easily maneuverable to be able to be picked up versus rigged in place, things of that nature. So we're seeing an immense amount of uh, excitement from the industry when it comes to looking at alternative materials. In reality, it, it seems like the first time ever that I've seen this mass adoption of the marketplace looking to find alternatives. So that, that's been the first shift that we've really seen is that, you know, oh, wait, if it saves me a bunch of money, yeah, we'd be interested in looking at it. But now they're saying, oh, wait, we can actually be cost competitive while improving our sustainability. And that has really been the big paradigm shift for us as an organization. Yeah. I've been to a couple of different conferences and events recently that are all focused around prefab, modularization, offsite. And, you know, one of the big things that we keep talking about is we are in a really labor constrained market. It's harder and harder to draw people to our industry where there's a, a significant talent gap. And, you know, strategies like that are really beneficial in better utilizing the talent that we have, making for cleaner, safer, you know, more comfortable working environments and, you know, increasing that draw to the industry in general. Um, so I think that's interesting that ESG, it's all kind of overlapping in what's going on in the marketplace right now with the push to, you know, to be greener and more sustainable, but then also to, you know, make better use of our human resources. Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking to a uh, general contractor here in Ohio and they had a client that was wanting to build a net zero facility. And there was a lot of excitement around that. And that general contractor, when they came back with their budget, they said that the cost of the build was going to be two times what conventional construction was for them to go to that. And that was that was disturbing to me, I think would be the right word. I didn't like to hear that in order to be sustainable, you needed to be 2X, especially with the way costs are going in general. It's hard to recruit people. You know, we already have all of these challenges as, a, as an industry. And then you're going to say, hey, I want to be net zero, but I'm going to have to spend 2X to do that. As a business, that's not remotely possible to, to swallow. You know, and I think that that's something that we need to focus on as an industry is what are solutions today that give us incremental steps to become a more sustainable industry, but we don't need to spend 2x to achieve that. Yeah, that's been one of the biggest kind of pushbacks that I've heard from both owners and GCs or CMs is that it, it you just have to spend significantly more to achieve these lofty goals and these, you know, these targets um, that are being set and that it's not realistic. And so, you know, which to me is a point of frustration. I, I don't think that that's actually necessarily true, but also I think that it's, it's something that we kind of have traditionally done as an industry to look the other way for a while and, and, you know, not take on a challenge or a problem um, just by saying, you know, well, that's going to cost more. So we're not going to worry about that for this project or for right now. And I think it goes back to the owners, right? I actually use safety. I think it's perfect in comparison to what we're looking at here. You know, the contractors, they said, well, nobody's, you know, we have all these, these productivity goals to hit schedules and things of this nature. We know safety is secondary to cost and schedule. 
well, no, it needs to be, it needs to be a part of that. And then what we realized once we started working safer is we were actually more productive. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sustainability is going to follow that same suit, you know, and I think that it, it goes back to is that, you know, the construction industry as a whole is really, really slow to change, very slow to change. And when you look at it, you know, we all have seen the graph, right, of uh, construction productivity versus uh, manufacturing and how those lines are completely separated um, as a whole and where productivity is going down. And, and then now we're looking at things like modularization and prefab and not looking at it, implementing, I should say, uh, or at least I hope you are getting involved in where we're able to push that momentum in the right direction and while doing it safely. So what we, we what we've seen as a whole is that, you know, safety was was really mandated by the owner and we were going to start seeing that same thing here in uh sustainability. A lot of people's funding is tied to specific uh sustainability goals. So I think that it's going to be a very interesting shift as it moves forward and there aren't a ton of new products coming out that are cost competitive. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be a challenge for the industry, but it's one that I know people are excited about. Uh, you know, we are ourselves, we're very excited about trying to make a more sustainable tomorrow. And for me, I think that it's just part of leaving a, a better legacy for the next generation as, as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you have any specific examples of, you know, either cost competitive products or solutions that you've seen, like on projects that you guys have worked on where, you know, the owner has been able to achieve some sort of a sustainability goal or a carbon footprint reduction by not egregiously overspending to, to accomplish it? Well, I can speak to what we do as a whole. So we're just a small piece of a massive puzzle, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to data centers. You know, where we add value is in we, we replace the secondary steel, right? So any of your access platforms, any of your access platforms around your UPSs and your generators, screen walls around the generator yard, done in structures, things of that nature where we can take remove steel and utilize composites in those spaces in a cost competitive environment. Yes, we've been very successful at that ourselves. I know there are solutions out there in the concrete side that are keep keep coming up. I know Mega Slabs doing a lot of stuff uh, with trying to reduce the overall embodied carbon. They kind of found out by accident, similar to us, you know, that hey, that was not their initial goal, but what they realized in the process of creating a product that they were actually were more sustainable than uh, typical construction. So I think there's a lot of people that are focusing on similar to us. They focused on a better solution, and those better solutions are creating more sustainable solutions along the way. There's rebar. Uh, Owens Corning uh, has a FRP rebar now that is uh, a third of the weight of regular rebar, which is also you're getting the reduction in the embodied carbon, but you're getting the safety improvements very similar to the, the things that we build, uh, along with being cost competitive as well. Whenever I look at it, you know, Advantage, we typically see between that five and 25% reduction in comparison to steel and cost. You're seeing that in other areas. And there are people who are focusing tremendously on steel and concrete as the big drivers. Those are the areas we've seen the most, but then you also have on the the electrical side, you know, we're seeing 
they're making tweaks in data centers to come off the grid and looking at doing their own grids on site, looking at bringing in nuclear power, doing many, many reactors on site. I don't know if you've heard about that, yeah. which is going to be very interesting. Uh, you're going to see a massive shift in how power is going to be getting to site just due to the where the grid is currently. And so we're seeing a big shift on the power side and now somewhat on the, uh, the product side. Yeah. I mean, I know that just the grid and power distribution has been, you know, really concerning, especially like in dense areas like the West Coast and the, the Northeast. And so I can understand how that would make, you know, significant differences. They're planning these projects and, and starting to bring some of that to life. Well, I heard a, an interesting statistic the other day at a conference. They said that if data centers were a country, they would be the 25th largest power consuming country in the world. So that is going to be pretty interesting whenever you start looking at it from that perspective is how, are, how is the industry as a whole going to try to mitigate their consumption and how are they going to, well, they won't be mitigating it. How will they be able to be able to be a part of the solution as well? Yeah. So speaking of conferences, anything else um, as far as conferences and events in this space that are on your radar for this year? For data centers? Yeah. Uh, specifically, we'll be doing DCAC, which is Data Center Any Conference in Austin. They always put on a really good show. I know there'll be, there'll be some talks about this. Uh, we get involved with 7 by 24 as well. DICE has been doing a really good job of these day summits across the country. And actually, every one of them that I've been to, they've had a sustainability panel. Here recently, been working with a few data center executives on how do we take this overall sustainability goals and create actionable roundtables where we can start doing work versus just talking about it, where we can start looking at, okay, what are the best practices? and getting more involved in the solutions, which I'm very excited about. That's awesome. So I know that the data center industry is growing exponentially. There's you know, greater demand than there ever has been. And every time I turn around, you know, there's another data center project that's been announced. So how you know, is the industry trying to achieve these sustainability goals while also facing such high levels of demand and such rapid growth? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is that, like you said, the industry is exploding. There's there's crazy amount of demands for data centers. Uh, COVID amplified it. AI is going to continue to drive it. Remote working is continuing to happen. Uh, so yes, the industry as a whole is is growing exponentially. Uh, one of the things that we have started to see, and it, start, it makes me very excited to see, is the standardization of design. We're starting to see these data centers looking at ways to make things repeatable, make them designed and built in a way that you can take the same design and start productizing portions of that and standardizing those portions of those data centers as a whole to be able to build in a very fast growing environment. So what we've done as a company is we, we continue to look at areas to productize. When we started the company, we were 100% custom. Every single project was a heavy engineering lift with a lot of customized parts. And that wasn't sustainable for us. I mean, when you look at sustainability, it's not sustainable to continue to do things differently every single time while you're in a crazy growth mode as a whole. 
So we started as a company looking at how do we standardize connection details? How do we standardize different components within our builds? And as a goal for the company, our goal is to be 80% standardized as standardized products going to the marketplace with 20% being heavy engineered. And that has been widely accepted by the marketplace. They're looking for things that can be repeatable. Uh, And whenever you create a product and you've installed it a hundred times, we see incredible productivity increases once that's been built so many times. And we've seen great acceptance in the marketplace. The data centers as a whole have been fully bought into modular from the get-go. They have modular... Uh, UPSs, they have the outside of the data center has, they've taken modular a few steps and I, I see the future being more modular. I see lots of opportunity in this space and we've seen, we've seen a couple of full-blown modular data centers and you'll see the edge data centers, you know, these smaller data centers, those are going to get a lot of legs. So the industry as a whole is very excited about standardizing. But they're also seeing the necessity to standardize in order to be able to respond to the demand of the marketplace. So that's been very exciting for us. But as a whole, I think we'll be able to see a lot more, a lot more data centers get built if they start that standardization. Yeah, standardization has come up a lot in the you know the prefab and offsite uh, conference discussions that I've been part of recently, and I think there's just huge opportunity to gain efficiency. Um, through standardization. And, you know, I wish that we would be doing more of that. In the data center industry, being that there's what you're building, it's not like you're building a refinery or something of that nature, where it's extremely complex, heavy mechanical, you know, what you see whenever I was in the industrial marketplace, we're, we're talking about a massive box with an amazing amount of power going into it. Not to downplay any other of the trades, but there are some difficult mechanicals and things of that nature, but not to the complexity that you would see in an industrial pro- project. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there, and I'm excited to see where the marketplace takes it. Awesome. Um, so I know data centers are really kind of one of the spaces in our world that are leading this push with sustainability, with ESG. What other markets have you seen or or do you think are coming next as far as they're going to have big initiatives around these sorts of goals? So I saw a post on LinkedIn here recently. It said, I think it was 125 of the Fortune 500 have said they're going to net zero by, and I think the statistic was 2025 or maybe it was 2030. It might've been 2030. And that was pretty eye-opening, right? So when you look at it as a whole, you're looking at over 25% of the industry, the largest companies in the world are saying that. And then all the rest have even come out with sustainability goals. So when you look at it from that perspective, all industries that we are seeing are making a shift. And every single new client that we talk to, that is a question that comes up. And that's very new. That's not something that we got asked ever before. You know, I've been with Advantic now going on seven years. Actually, no, sorry, going on six years. And what's been really interesting is in that six years is to see that shift. Everything in the beginning was, are you cost competitive or can you save us time or both? Now it's three legs to the stool. It's not just cost and schedule. It's, 
are you cost competitive? Are you going to save us time? And what is your overall embodied carbon and how can you help us with our sustainability goals? Those are all a part of RFPs. And that once you start seeing it being dictated in the RFP, people start paying very close attention to it. And contractors now are coming to us because we've started talking to them about what we're doing. And we're, we're still in our infancy in this journey, though. You know, we're still learning along the way. Composites are really, you know, they are more sustainable. They are better on the environment. They don't corrode. But we have a long way to get to a full-blown EPD on every single product that we have. And I'm learning every single day of how we can continue to educate the market and how we can continue to be better stewards of the environment as a company. That's pretty incredible. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking time and, and talking to me today. I think it's helpful to get some insight into what's going on specifically in the data center space around all of these initiatives. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group. Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.